about Catholicism, uh, one, of the, one of the main things that we just have to talk about right out the gate is uh, the Protestant Reformation, okay, in 1517. We have, to, we have to talk about that because that was essentially this major break, right, between um, essentially we, we get sola scriptura or scripture alone, um, and, and we see this from Martin Luther, and what these reformers were rejecting was they were rejecting many of the Roman Catholic traditions and practices, and they argued for a church that would base its doctrines and practice strictly on what the Bible teaches, okay? Um, but then at, at the Council of Trent, the Roman Catholic Church uh, rebuffed this teaching and retained the right and power to interpret uh, Scripture according to what it believed the Bible says. Um, among the Vatican Council II documents is uh, a, a constitution on divine revelation. Uh, and what that is, is it, it tells us that the Roman Catholic Church believes that the apostles passed on their authority. So the apostles uh, that we look back early on in the New Testament, they passed on their authority to succeeding bishops in the churches of the first century and the centuries that followed. And as years went by, the church added certain teachings based on what it calls sacred tradition. Okay? Now, because the bishops possessed uh, the, the same apostolic insight and wisdom as the original apostles, the traditions that they began to pass on were given equal weight with Scripture. Okay? In other words, what, what they were saying carried with it the same weight uh, in, in people's minds as the apostles Right, and, and it had the same power and the authority as what the apostles were saying. And, and so that, along with Scripture, became uh, what is called sacred tradition. Okay? Um, now, because these bishops possessed that same apostolic insight and wisdom, um, they were given that equal weight. And instead of what we know as sola scriptura, or the Bible alone, uh, the Catholic Church assumed and claimed the correct approach to Scripture, or to be Scripture plus tradition. Okay? And, and, and so what, what you need to know is that when we say Scripture alone, that is a contradiction um, to what the Roman Catholic Church would claim. Uh, because they would say that sacred tradition uh, are equal sources of that spiritual authority. Um, now, now, we say that the Bible alone is all we need for our source of spiritual authority. We talked about this last week. That the Bible is our source of authority. And that's a huge thing that you have to continue to ask and wrestle with when it comes to religions as a whole is what or who is your source of authority? Okay, when it comes to uh, what you believe in, what is that source of authority? And so we believe that it is uh, through scripture, right? Scripture alone, scripture has that authority. Um, and, and, and we also believe that everything we need to know, believe, and practice are clearly stated in scripture given by the inspiration of God. Okay, so that's what uh, we would say we believe. And we would also say that anyone can understand what the Bible says in order to believe in Christ and in order to be saved. 
Okay, we would say that people can understand it. Okay, uh, we would also say that a Protestant believer can trust his church only to the extent that it stays true to Scripture. Okay, that's really important. Now, what, what do I mean there? Um, what I mean is you should trust your church as long as your church is aligning to that source of authority, which is Scripture. Okay, are you, are you tracking with that, right? So at the point the church is not tracking with Scripture, that is when we're not tracking with our church, or we shouldn't be, okay? Um, in fact, in Acts 17, 11, it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they were, ex they were taking in the scripture, they were excited to learn, but then they were examining it, examining it and putting the scripture to uh, the test, which is very different uh, than that authority that the Catholic Church would bring into scripture. Are, are along with it, okay? Uh, Catholics are encouraged to read the Bible. Some, you know, some people I've heard say, well, well, Catholics they don't read the Bible. I'm like, nah, they do. In fact, they're encouraged to read the Bible. Um, however, they're they are not encouraged to interpret it for themselves, okay? In fact, the DA Verbum document confirms this idea when it says, all that has been said about the manner of interpreting scripture is ultimately subject to the judgment of the church, which exercises the divinely conferred commission and ministry of watching over and interpreting the word of God. Okay, so, so do you see the authority here? Where this authority uh, is coming from, whereas an evangelical Protestant would believe that the Holy Spirit guides individuals in learning what God has to tell them. Okay, so believers are actually to search the scriptures themselves, right? Like we, we, we would say, you need to be spending time uh, in scripture. You need to be exploring. You need to be learning. Uh, why? Because we believe that the Holy Spirit has the authority uh, who gave the divine, uh, you know, words of God to the apostles who wrote it down. Uh, it's inspired word of God. And, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak directly to you through it. And it may be, uh, when I say different, not contradictory to maybe something I said, uh, but it may be different, right? Uh, like, like I may do this teaching and you may come out of it with this one thing that the Holy Spirit really hit you with. Someone else may come out of here with something totally different. And I wouldn't say, oh, that's bad. That's out of bounds. Like, no, I would say that's great. And that points to the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we read in John 16, 13, it says, uh, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Okay, so we encourage you uh, to listen, right, to the Holy Spirit um, and, and, and that, because he will bring truth, okay? Um, when, when we look at, uh, you know, a key example of Roman Catholicism's insistence that it is the only accurate and authoritative source of interpretation of Scripture. One of the prime examples is in Matthew 16. And in Matthew 16, verses 13 uh, through 20, it's this passage, and, and I believe I, I, I kicked off last week with this, where Jesus paused to ask his disciples. He asked them, who do you say I am? Remember, I said, what you answer with that question, whoo, that's a big one. Who do you say Jesus is? 
And Peter tells him that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus tells Peter uh, in, in verses 18 and 19, uh, it says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was uh, the Christ. Okay, so uh, according to the catechism uh, of the Catholic Church, Jesus named Peter the rock of his church, gave him the keys, and made him shepherd of the whole flock. So that's how they interpret that. Now, we would interpret that differently. Okay, we would, we would interpret that as that was, it was Peter's confession of faith that he said, I'm going to build my church on. But they're taking that uh, and they're actually saying, no, Peter is, is the rock of his church. He gave him the keys and made him the shepherd of the whole flock. And so this pastoral office of Peter and the other apostles belongs to the church's very foundation and then is continued by the bishops under the primacy of the Pope, okay, who as the, in, and some of these terms you're going to be familiar with some, you know, as the vicar of Christ, in other words, the physical presence of Jesus on this uh, earth, uh, and as the pastor of the entire church, he has universal power over the whole church, a power which he can always exercise unhindered, okay, so, so through apostolic succession, uh, and, and, and through that being passed down, this, the, the Pope essentially has this kind of universal power and authority over the church. And they believe that all goes back to Peter. Okay, that passage there. Um, and so these, these bishops were considered the successors to the apostles, complete with all that power, authority, and wisdom. Now, just as Protestants rely on Scripture alone for their final source uh, uh, of authority and truth, they also rely on what we call sola fide, which is faith alone for their source of salvation. I talked about this last week. Okay, So Catholics believe that a Christian must rely, when it comes to salvation, they must rely on faith plus good works and God's grace mediated through the seven sacraments. Okay? Um, now, what are the seven sacraments? Seven sacraments are baptism. So baptism would be for infants or adults, and that imparts the sanctifying grace and it erases the original sin. Uh, confirmation, and confirmation is the completion of baptism. If a baby is baptized at 12, they are confirmed. Um, and, and then we have uh, the Holy Eucharist, which is also called Holy Communion, uh, which I'll unpack in a minute. Uh, then there's penance, which is how a Roman Catholic is forgiven by God through the ministry of a priest for the sins that they have committed after baptism. There's the anointing of the sick. There's the holy orders. Um, and then there's matrimony, which is marriage, right? Um, but the two most significant here that, that probably stand out are the Holy Eucharist and penance, okay? So the Catechism states that the Eucharist is a memorial of Christ's Passover, but also a sacrifice. Essentially, what this means is Christ gives participants in Eucharist the very body, and this is a really important distinction, the very body that he gave up for mankind on the cross and the very blood that he poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So, so a Roman Catholic would believe it actually becomes Christ's body, Christ's 
blood, and that is called transubstantiation. Okay? Um, and, and, and so it's, it's essentially a sacrifice, and it represents the sacrifice of uh, the cross. Okay? Um, when we talk about penance or, or confession, as you may know it, this is another key sacrament because it involves acts or penances which the Roman Catholic must do in order to be forgiven for his or her sins. Okay, so um, a prime example would be I go to confess, all right? Now, um, if that was my religion, I would be going a lot, okay? So, um, so I would go and I would confess, and depending on how bad it was, there would be penance to pay, right? There would be things that I would need to do uh, that, that the priest would say, now uh, you need to do these things to be right, all right? So, so there's the confession piece, and then there's the uh, penance piece that goes along with my uh, confession. Now, why is all of this important? Um, I think one of the most important pieces to this is how this all plays out into salvation, okay? Salvation, right? So one of the things that's really interesting when it comes to Roman Catholicism is, and I'll use two terms that, that, that I, uh, I will use in a different context, and they will use it in a different context. When, when, when we talk about justification and sanctification, those according to what I believe, are two separate things. A Roman Catholic would see those two things as the same. Okay? They would see justification uh, and they would see sanctification as the same process. Okay? So, so in other words, for a Roman Catholic, faith in Jesus is the beginning of salvation and it lays the foundation for justification. Okay, so justification, uh, which, is, which is getting things right, being made right, right? So, so in their mind, that is the process of becoming saved, right? Whereas what we look at um, as, as justification, right, is um, being justified, uh, we would say that we are declared righteous already in God's sight because of salvation, right? Because of what Christ did on the cross for us, okay? So they would say um, that, that you need to be made righteous. We would say we're already declared righteous and holy, even, and we still, even though we still have a sinful nature, okay? Um, and, and, and the reasons we would say that uh, we're already declared righteous because of what Christ did on the cross is from Romans 10, 4. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, Philippians 3.9, it says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That is a phenomenal verse. When you're talking to anybody about a faith plus works, okay? Because it's talking about the righteousness that's already been imputed to you through the work of Jesus that comes through your faith, okay? Um, so we receive the gift of righteousness apart from our works, 
apart from us earning it, apart from us being good enough. And so after being justified by faith, evangelical Protestants believe that they enter then into the process of sanctification. All right, And this is the progressive work of growing into the very likeness of Christ. It's what we would describe as becoming a mature Christian. right? So sanctification is that process that a lot of you are on right now as you are becoming more and more like Jesus, right? Uh, you're growing and you're understanding what God's word means. You're, you're praying more. You're, 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 you're like, man, I need to follow Jesus. Man, this area, I haven't been following him. Man, I want to follow him more. I need to surrender this, right? These are all steps in your sanctification process, right? So we would say those are two very distinctly different things. They would say those are one and the same process, okay, into uh, leading towards uh, salvation, okay? Um, sanctification, right? John 17, verses 15 through 19, it says, I do not ask, this is Jesus, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay? Uh, and sanctification begins the moment we are saved. Okay, now, um, the other piece that's interesting is this whole idea of purgatory. Okay, um, so even when uh, Roman Catholic believers do all the works required of them throughout their lives to the best of their ability, they are still not assured of immediate entrance into heaven and into the presence of Christ after death. Okay, so except for certain exemptions like sainthood or martyrdom, Roman Catholics believe that they do not pay sufficiently the temporal punishment for their sins through their acts of penance. So in other words, they still, after death, expect to face punishment for sins in purgatory, which is a special place of cleansing where payment for sins is completed and believers are made fit for heaven. Okay, have you heard purgatory? Heard the term? Okay, so that is where they go to get everything right, fully cleansed out, fully made right. And it's this, um, honestly, it's like this, this interesting um, reality and it, it brings about mixed emotions of like some fear but also great joy because it's getting you to the place where you can go into heaven, right? Um, and, and, and so, and, and then we also know that within uh, Roman Catholicism that uh, the time of purgatory can be lessened based upon uh, indulgence, indulgences, okay? Uh, indulgences that the person does or that people do on their behalf. So if someone's died, you can be saying prayers, you can be doing things to help their uh, time be uh, less long uh, as they're there getting ready to go to heaven, okay? Uh, their purgatory time can be shortened, all right? So th those are some, some high-level things. Another major one that maybe you've heard is the role of Mary, Okay, uh, that's another big one uh, when it comes to Roman Catholicism. Um, is, is, is she just blessed among women or is she actually a co-mediator uh, between, mediator between uh, humanity and God, right? So uh, the, a lot of the language you will see is Jesus and Mary as these co-mediators. Um, 
mediators between humanity and God, right? So we would say uh, that there is worship there associated with Mary, um, and, and we, would, we would obviously, we as in a Protestant Christian would say uh, that, that that is no good, right? Um, you know, we're, we're not worshiping Mary. Uh, we also don't believe that she was sinless her whole life um, or any of those things where uh, many of them would say that. Okay, so here are some just main takeaways here for you guys, okay? Um, Catholics claim that scripture and sacred tradition are equal in authority, okay? Protestants say the Bible is the sole guide for faith and practice. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, very clear. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay? That's a response to that. Uh, Rome says the teaching authority of the Roman church has been entrusted to interpret the Bible for Catholics who are not to interpret it for themselves. And Protestants would say that individual Christians can trust the Holy Spirit for guidance as they read and interpret it themselves. Catholicism teaches that Peter was the first pope and that through apostolic succession, other popes have succeeded him, each serving as the vicar of Christ. Um, and Catholics teach that the Pope is infallible when he speaks on matters of faith and morals. Protestants would say that there is no human being that is infallible and only Christ alone is the head of the church. Catholics would claim that salvation is secured by faith in Christ plus good works and grace conferred through the seven sacraments of the church. A Protestant's reply is that salvation is secured through faith alone in Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross. And that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, and, and, and listen to this, not a result of works so that no one may boast. If your works could get you there, you would have the ability to boast in yourself. That would mean I have... I have a say in this. I have a peace towards earning my own salvation. And ultimately what that does is it belittles what Christ did on the cross at the end of the day. Uh, Catholics would blend justification and sanctification into one process as the believer must work to merit eternal life. And Protestants believe that God justifies the believer by declaring him or her righteous and that sanctification is a lifelong process of becoming holy as God works within us. Um, Catholics believe they cannot pay for all their sins in this life, and at death, they go to purgatory for an undetermined time to be made totally fit for heaven. And Protestants believe they are justified by faith in Christ, and they go straight to the presence of Christ. Okay, so ultimately, what I want to kind of uh, end our time with is a, a, a just a question. Was what Jesus did on the cross enough? was what Jesus did on the cross enough. Because whenever I hear, um, I need to do this, you need to do that, and then if you do that, this will happen, and then God will do that. Um, what, what I hear there is, I have an ability to reconcile my own sins, and what that ultimately does is, once again, it belittles what Christ did on the cross. 
Because only Christ could take away the sins. Only Christ could do that. And and so if, if, if any religion is telling me that I need to do more to fix that, my response is, then what Christ did on the cross, what you're telling me is it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It didn't really cover all my sins, right? Because I have to make some things right. So was what Jesus did on the cross enough? And then if it's not, why in the world did he do it? (laughs) Right? Why did he do it? And then why in the world would Jesus' message center around this, I have set you free so that you could be free? Why? Because you know what? Any religion, any religion, okay? I'm not singling out Roman Catholicism here. Any religion that is adding to it, to me, is hijacking a freedom that was won for me on the cross and through the resurrection. Okay? So, so ultimately, I always go back to that because I go, hey, I hear what you're saying, and I hear the why here, but ultimately, when I look at the life of Christ and the, and the, and, and the mission and what he proclaimed, uh, there is a freedom that he's talking about, and you definitely don't have it because you are under the weight of earning something. And by all accounts, what I read is how, how Jesus has set us free from that, how the weight was actually taken and received on the cross, and then it was done away with, and then he had victory over it. And so now, by faith, once again, I am already declared righteous, and then I enter into this process of becoming more like him. But I don't enter that process of becoming more like him with more weight along the way and more reminders uh, that, that I can't do it, or, or it's up to somebody else then to determine if I should get there or not, right? And, and that is stress. That is very guilt, shame-based. And I am so thankful that is not the way of Jesus. So thankful. You know why? Because I don't measure up. I don't measure up daily. And so I'm so thankful for the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And so ultimately, guys, those are some of the thoughts. Those are some of the pieces that you need to understand. And ultimately, you need to ask, what kind of weight do you give these different views? What weight do you give them? And and it comes back to Jesus' question. Who do you say I am.